0: I always suspected that, didn't I? Mm -hmm. So I have a question for you. Uh Are you ready for it? I don't know. Okay. So how many kinds of people are there? How many kinds? Mm -hmm. There are countless kinds. Do you need some time to think about it? Okay, we'll, yeah. let, we'll let her go ahead and think about that, won't oh we? Time's up. No, no, <laughs> no, you go ahead and think about it for a minute, okay. but you know, it's something we need to get you pinned down on. Really? Yeah. Okay. okay. Do you remember last time we talked about a computer, mm-hmm. and I want to show you my little computer again. Some of you will remember this. We have the memory, we have the central processing unit and the sample program, and we explained basically how a basic computer functions. And I had a lot of comments come back from people saying, thank you. They wanted to understand the simple thing and and a lot of them got it and that made me very happy. But I wanna go another step. I'd like to take us to the next level of understanding a basic computer. And it's fascinating because this is something that a lot of people really get confused about And you have to kind of master it if you're gonna live in a digital world, right? Everything is becoming computer. And a lot of people say, well, why do do computers only do ones and zeros? And what does that mean? I have a computer that does more than ones and zeros. It does twos and threes. (laughs) And so I'd like to take that on as a challenge. Let's go back here to our little computer. And remember, we have this central processing unit, and what it does is it moves information from memory into these different registers, it does math functions, etc., and stores it back in memory. So let's figure out where the ones and zeros come from. Now remember, I have these little memory things here. I hope you can see how they're turning different ways. And depending on where I put my magnet, we either have the north pole going up or the north pole going down, depending on how they're magnetized. Well, if you were to look at this uh, cellist light that I have off to the side here, uh, just barely on the image, I can turn this light into two states. Right now it's on, now it's off. Mm-hmm. But that's the only two states I have on or off. And that's like a memory location in a computer, only it's not a light, it's actually a little chunk of magnetizable material that can either be magnetized with the North Pole up or with the North Pole down. Some people say magnetized or demagnetized. It depends on how old the computer is. But let's just say that if you magnetize it so that the North Pole is up, it remembers that. And later on, if you run it by a sensor, it can detect that it's up. And that's why we call it memory because you magnetize it, and then it remembers it, and you can read it back later. Um, I have a, a coil in Area 51 that I can plug into an electric outlet. It's, it's actually a coil off of an old phonograph motor. I threw the phonograph away, but I got the <laughs> little coil. And if I stick a, a nail or a screwdriver into the coil and plug it in, and then unplug it, it magnetizes whatever I put in there. If you think about it, I'm plugging into alternating current, so it's electricity going that direction and then the other direction, 60 times a second. So I plug it in, unplug it, pull it out, and it's magnetized. And what's happening is that filled is North Pole, South Pole, North Pole, South Pole, 60 times a second. But when I unplug it, it's either North or South, and it's causing the polarity of the atoms in that magnetic material to oscillate back and forth and so it becomes magnetized. So they're all north pole up or north pole down. So I pull out and I can pick up nails and things with it, okay? Well now, if I plug it back in, and this time I I take the nail or the screwdriver and I pull it out of the coil, while it's still plugged in, it's hard to pull it out. The coil's trying to hold it in there, but I pull it out and then I unplug it. Now it's demagnetized. And why? Why does it magnetize it if I leave it in and unplug it and demagnetize it if I plug it in and pull it out? Well, as I pull it out, the field's changing back and forth, back and forth. The atoms are flipping. It's getting weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker and it makes them all random. And we used to have to demagnetize the head on a recorder and we had a little coil hooked up to a a power thing and it would just go around the head and as we pull away it would demagnetize it and make the music sound better. You don't remember that. <laughs> Do you have the answer to the question yet? Take your time. I can. <laughs> take your time. No, there's no rush on it at all. The the question just is how many kinds of people uh, are they? there? No. Yeah, no. How many kinds okay so take your time. So coming back to here. So each of these memory locations can either be magnetized or not. So it's two states. Is it magnetized or is it not? And so these brilliant computer scientists said, what if we make zero represent it's not magnetized and one mean that it's magnetized? So if I go back to my light, that is zero and that is one. Zero zero, one. It's pretty cool. I've got two states, magnetized or demagnetized. And so I can magnetize it. Go on the next one. Shall I magnetize this one? Sure. I'll magnetize it. Third one? No. Let's leave it demagnetized. So I've got one, one, zero, one, zero. I can put a one or a zero in each one by either magnetizing it or not. Are you with me so far? Mm -hmm. Do you have the answer to the question? At least 200. Take your time. (laughs) She's she's, she's getting it. I'm getting it. We we need to be patient with her. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time she's ever answered this question. That is true. So, now let's think about it. All we can store is ones and zeros. So, let's count. All right? We're going to start at zero because that's where you start when you count. You know, like zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. And when you get to nine, you're in trouble because we don't have any more numbers. We've used 1, we've used 2, we used 3. We're up to 9. What are we going to do? So what we do is we start over at 0 again, but we push a number over in the next column. We call it 10, 11, 12, 13. We go clear up to 19. What do we do? We put a 2 in the second column. That's how we count. What do we do if we only have 2 digits? Well, we can count with 2 digits. We start with 0. So 0 in normal numbers is 0. And one is one. We're doing great. We're counting. But what do you do when you get to two and you don't have the number two? You only have two states, on or off. So what do you do for two? Two, two, two. So what we do is we push it over one. We call it ten. And what do you have next? Eleven. And what do you have next? One hundred. And then one hundred and one. So can you see how we're counting up? I'm going to kind of write these down here, so we can learn how to count with only two digits. So we start with zero, and then we go to one, and what's the very next number? 10, and the next number is 11, and then we have to go all the way to 100. How we do it? The next number is 101, 110, one, one, one. So I'm going to the very next number only using ones and zeros. And in our regular decimal system, this is equal to zero, equals, this is equal to one, this is equal to two, three, four, five, six, seven. So one, one, one is the same thing as seven, only where you only have two digits. It's a different numbering system. This we call a decimal numbering system because we have 10 different digits or characters. All these are different characters that represent a quantity. Here we only have two characters, so we call it binary. So this is counting in binary, zero, one, and this is the only thing you can use if memory can only store one or zero. It can be magnetized or not magnetized. You say, why don't they just store 10? How? How do you magnetize a little spot of memory with a seven? And, you know, maybe quantum physics or something, you can't, it's it's difficult. And so we have to work with binary numbers because that's how we store. And so a lot of people get confused because they say, wait a minute, is it 11 or is it three, is it 100 or is it four? And actually, they're the very same quantity. That many is four, or it's 100 in binary. It's just two ways of writing the same thing. How can that be four? How can that be 100? Well, it can be 100 if it's the fourth time you increment using only ones and zeros. Am I making sense? Mm -hmm. Do you have the answer? (laughs) Part of it. What part do you have? (laughs) Well, it depends on if every person has a different personality. Okay, she, def- <laughs> she definitely needs more time, doesn't I do. she? No, the question is how many kinds of people are there? She's, she's good. You no, know, that's a trick. Let's question. just work with her. So, I'm going to try something else here. I have a memory location, and that memory location is magnetized. That one's not magnetized. A little hard to see, but you know what we could do is we could slide this up, slide this down. And it would be real easy to see, wouldn't it? Okay, look at that. So this one's magnetized. This one's not. So I call that one. I call that zero. And if I put another zero there, then I have, hmm, one, zero, zero. That would be the same as one, zero, zero. So I just wrote a number four. Now, most of us have some brainy friend that has a (laughs) binary watch. And it says... Light, dark, dark, when it means that it's four o'clock, because that is the same thing as the numeral four in binary. I'm going to be real bold and go a little further. Oh, look at that one. What is that? And you know, you can flip these over. What if you have all four of them magnetized, or they're all ones? So that's one, 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 one. Do you know what that number is? Is it 15? 15? I don't know. You don't know? (laughs) You probably don't know the answer to the other question. Fortunately, I brought a little computer with me (laughs) to find out. Hmm, hmm, hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and put my little computer here. And then I'm going to put in focus. Focus. There we go. So I'm going to put in four ones. One. Can you see these ones here? Mm -hmm. Oh, they're kind of tiny. Oh, we're zooming in. We're getting there. Look. One is one. In an integer it's one, and in binary it's one. And then I'll put another one, and look. 11 is 1011, and I said, what if it was 15? So let's delete one and put in a five. And look at that, I was right. Oh, four right. ones <laughs> is 15, it's a miracle. <laughs> so what are eight ones? Let's put in four more. I think it might be 255. One, two, three, four. Hmm. Well, we can't do it like that. We gotta go put in <laughs> 255 and look at all those ones, eight ones. So we have eight characters to be able to communicate the value of 255. And in computers, just to keep track of things, to make it simple, mm-hmm. do you have the answer to the question yet? Yeah? Uh-uh. Just to keep it simple, we group binary numbers into eight digits because it's easy. there's so many digits, it gets really confusing. So we keep track of them in eights, just because it's convenient, all right? So like there's eight ones, and it's 255. Well, these individual digits of ones and zeros we call bits, and a bit's either one or zero. And if you have eight of them together, we call it a byte. You've heard about bytes. Well, that's a byte. When there's (laughs) eight digits, it's a byte. Okay, now, what if we wanted to put in the character A? We want to put A in a computer. And memory can only hold a zero or a one. How in the world can we put an A in? What if you want to write something? You need to put in alphabetic characters. And so it turns out that IBM years ago came up with a thing called EBCDIC, which was an arbitrary table where they took all the characters of the alphabet A B C D F G, and they made up an eight-bit code for each character. And you say, well, which eight-bit code they used? They didn't care. They just chose one, and they put it there. So they said A is this, B is that. So, whenever those eight bits were together, it meant that letter of the alphabet. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And then, when personal computers came out and other people started using it, they started copying IBM's table and using those bits to represent that character. And IBM said, wait, those are copyrighted. So then they formed a big committee. And the big committee made up a whole new table. And you can make up any table. We could say, hey, why don't we make the science live table? (laughs) We could make A, B, one, 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 zero, one, zero, one. Or would you rather have it zero, one, one, two? No, we can't have a two, it's gotta be zeros or one. So look what this thing does. I'd like to look at it too, time out. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. So I'm gonna change this from integers to text. And I'm gonna delete it now, and I'm gonna put in a capital A. There it is. And look what it is in binary. So an A is 100001. Zero, 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 one. I wonder what a capital B is. Look at that. It's 10 at the end, which is 2, remember? Because mm-hmm. that's the second, that's the next digit. And I wonder what a capital C is. Hmm. So it's just counting up as you go through the alphabet. And it's interesting because when the ASCII committee made their table of what character should be what character, they did the same thing as IBM. They copied it, but you can't because it was copyrighted. So they flipped one bit. That's interesting. I think this is quite a story, so I'm going to (laughs) back up here. So remember, A is one, all those zeros, and a one. But what would little a be? Lowercase a, look at that. It's one, one, zero, zero, zero. And if those first two digits determine whether it's uppercase or lowercase. And in IBM, double was uppercase. (laughs) And in ASCII, they now just flipped it. So one is uppercase, two is lowercase. And why did they keep them all the same except for that little change? Because everybody that's programming had them memorized. And they didn't want to memorize new things. So out came the ASCII table. So isn't that interesting? If you want to put a letter in a computer, you have to put in eight ones and zeros. That's the only way it can store it. And I think that's kind of fun. Now, I'm going to teach you in binary how to say Page. A. See if I can get this spelled right. I think I got it. Look at all of that. That's Page. A. What a bunch of ones and zeros. That's do you, I am. Do you have the number? Are you talking about personalities? Or are you I'm, talking about I'm asking people? how many kinds of people are there in the world? Do you give? I give. <laughs> okay. She gives. She gives. Do you know the answer? No. <laughs> <laughs> do you want me to tell you the answer? I kind of do. I'm going to go back to go, 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 Because I started thinking about it. I keep integers. finding more and more and more. You keep more. I'm <laughs> yeah. going to put in the number two. Look at number two. The number two in binary is what? Ten. Ten. Exactly. Now, what was the question? How many people? Or what kinds of people, Or something like that. Has everybody seen the R card? Yes. This this is the R card. See that? That's R. You've turned over that way. Look at that. That's me. Okay. (laughs) I'm going to open the R card and it says. Oh, what? (laughs) That is not how it works. So do you you give or are you going to answer? I'm still giving. (laughs) You're you're the gift that keeps on giving? I'm the gift that keeps on giving. Okay, so you, you you're surrendering. You have, you want me to tell you the answer of how many kinds of people there are? Please. Okay. <laughs> ten. There are ten kinds of people in the world. Those that know binary and those that don't. <laughs> now think about it. Two is ten. So there's ten. See, I, I was completely somewhere else. <laughs> Where were you? Everywhere. <laughs> On the backside of the moon? Yeah. Uh-huh. So that like you did not have the answer. Mm-hmm. Did not have. We yeah, have t- cut science life short right there. <laughs> hmm. Science Live short, huh? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's really interesting because a lot of people are intimidated by binary. And you really shouldn't be. It's a way of counting if you only have two fingers. You only have two. One, two. So you can count 1, 10, 11, 100, 101, 111, 1,000. And as you learn to count that way, you can start to store it in this computer memory. Here it comes. Wait for it. Wait for it. Lost my phone. Yeah, you can put it in these memories where you can only store one bit at a time a one or a zero, and remember one is magnetized or on, and zero is off. And I say on because as you read these memories that go over the wires, if there's a voltage, that's a one. If there's no voltage, that's a zero. And that's how we read it into these registers. Uh, kind of a, an interesting thing about these little basic computers is how you read memory with a CPU. And it's interesting because in a memory chip, you have all these locations, and the central processing unit, when it wants to read a number out of memory, it puts out an address. And in in a simple computer, like the first one we built, way back in the early, early days of the PC, the address was only 16 bits long. And of course, the address had to be in binary. And those 16 addresses were wires coming out of the CPU. And so if I wanted to read the very, very first location of memory, location one, I would put out an address of 00000000000000001. So I would put that out on those wires. The 16 wires were all no voltage, except one had plus five volts, Hmm. and when I put those out, the memory would say, oh, 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 he's talking to me, and so memory location one would put out on his wire whether he was one or zero, and then on the data bus, we would read what the answer was. So the data bus hooked up to every location in memory, but only one of them would come on at a time, and the one that would come on would be the address would put on the address bus. They say, what kind of a school bus is that? (laughs) Well, a bus is a group of wires. And when you start getting into the details of the computer, it gets a little more complex, a little more complex, and it makes you overwhelmed, but you shouldn't be, because every single part of what the computer does is actually very simple. But when you start adding it all together, you can do more and more and more. In, in the Billings computer days, we could have up to 64,000 memory locations. Wow. <laughs> and you could address 64 memory locations, which means I could say which one I want to read with only 16 wires asserting the address because 16 digits of binary is 64,000. So if I wanted to read the last memory location, it would be 16 ones, or all the lines would have 5 volts on it, and then I'd read the last location. 64K, in today's terms, is not even a good joke. (laughs) Yeah, we we talked about gigabytes of memory, and and worse, some terabytes. Mm -hmm. And Remember, a, a gigabyte is a Billion bits compared to 64,000 see that's more that's that's more and So things have come a long ways. So it takes more address lines To be able to address that memory And it's interesting every time you add another bit You double the amount of memory you can address and it keeps going when the IBM PC first came out which was Five and a half years after the Billings computer, they already could address more memory. And yet, we keep expanding it and expanding and expanding it. And that's how we're able to do the very complex things we're doing. But it all comes back to each memory location is either a 1 or a 0, because that's all memory knows how to hold. Does that make any sense? So how did you do it? How did you figure this out? You always well, seem to figure things out. Well, you see, if <laughs> zero is zero and one so is one, well ago. then two is Not 10, this. and it's either binary. <laughs> I'm talking about, this. <laughs> no. I'm talking about uh, a while ago. You know how you do it? Is You do it one tiny bit at a time, <laughs> literally. And that is how the technology evolves. You do it one tiny bit at a time. And if you get overwhelmed, it's like your brain turns off. I don't know, but how did you see it? Because you seem to see a lot of things before their time. Exactly. <laughs> and there are 10 kinds of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's really fun to learn about technology. I love learning about different things. And I think as we start to learn about them and we start putting maps together, we can see different things. Uh, I remember the first time that I visited California. And California, Southern California in particular, that I'm talking about this time, is a very, very big metro area, especially compared to where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And so I was driving around there in my rental car, and I came across the road, and it says Sepulveda Boulevard. I'd never heard of Sepulveda before, but there it was. "Mm, Man, how will I ever learn that name, Sepulveda? (laughs) I didn't know what that means. So I drove around and I drove around, and a couple days later, I was 30 miles down the street, it seemed like, and I was driving down the road, and I came to Sepulveda Boulevard again. I thought, Wow. No, 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 it's way up there. And then I realized, wow, it's a long road. It goes from there clear down to here. And so in my little mental map, I said, wow, I've got one road of Los Angeles memorized. (laughs) And so as you drive around, you see another road another road, and you start putting together these mental maps. And so I decided I was going to kind of play a game of seeing how many cities I could learn. Now, unfortunately... Back in the day, we didn't have (laughs) GPS, which means if you got there, you had to find your way. Fortunately, the freeways had signs, and they'd tell you, you know, this is 5, and this is 101, and 60, and the different freeways in Los Angeles, and if you learned where those went, you could kind of find things, but you had to do a lot more of it by knowing the city layout. And so I would put together a map. I I can drive around pretty good in LA Mm -hmm. or San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I think I have about 40 cities that I know well enough to drive around without GPS. Yes, I do use GPS. (laughs) (laughs) Tells you if the road's closed or or they've added a new road or so forth. But that's how technology is. You learn a little piece and then you try and connect it together. And I think that's what I learned to do very early in life, was to take two things that I learned in science and stick them together. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just try to memorize random facts, and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. If you connect them together, it starts to make sense. like putting together a puzzle. You have two pieces. If you've got a thousand-piece puzzle and you pick up a piece you pick up another piece, I dare you to remember the shape of all of them. (laughs) But if you start sticking them together, you say, wow, I know right where it fits. And that's how this kind of information is. Computers are actually very, very, very simple. There's not one thing in computers that is very complicated, but there's just so many things. And so we kind of get overwhelmed. I don't think getting overwhelmed helps. Mm And it's like, if you try to think of all the streets in Los Angeles, that's completely overwhelming because there are so many. But if you think about just one street and how it intersects with another street, then it kind of makes sense, all right? Mm-hmm. I would like to think that in Science Life, that those of you that are attending regularly are starting to get little pieces of knowledge, mm-hmm. of scientific knowledge, which you're starting to put together And I found that some of the people I'm interacting with that are doing Science Live are starting to figure out how things go together. It's like we're putting together a mental puzzle, which is your understanding of the universe of science in which you live. And I would like to think that if someone does this for a few years, they're gonna be able to be empowered to understand a lot of things. If you just use a phone, if you just use a computer, you learn how to use it, but if you program it and learn how it works, then you start to know a lot more about the power and how it can be deployed in the world on a wider basis. What do you think? I think so. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing world. It It is an amazing world. Mm -hmm. And we have the very special privilege of getting to learn about it. Over the years, very, very brilliant minds that have gone on before us have worked very hard to figure out each of these little pieces and put them together. And I think it was Sir Isaac Newton a long time ago that said, if I've seen further than others, which by the way, he did, it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants. And I really think that we should be very thankful that all of this knowledge has been put together and delivered to us in such a logical way, Mm -hmm. like in our CELUS courses, so we we can learn what would have taken lifetimes to have discovered, we can learn it in just one day. And realize that everything you learn, you should try to stitch together. And when you can start stitching little pieces of knowledge together is when you start getting the picture. Tobias told us about that first electronic camera. And they took a lens, and it focused the light on that array. And the array had the ability to sense whether or not there was light and how bright it was. And then you could read that array and be able to print out a picture. Well, we have the world shining on us, and we have to capture these little pieces. It wouldn't have done any good with the camera to have this one's bright, this one's dark, this one's bright, and this one's dark, if you didn't know where to put them you just put them the wrong place on the page, it wouldn't look like a picture. And he kind of found that out. It's phase one, didn't he? But it's the same with us. If we figure out these little pieces and then we start connecting them together, that increases our accumulated intelligence. And accumulated intelligence of especially practical knowledge is what empowers us to invention which to me means to make this wonderful world better so that's how it works I love that you love what that quote what you just that said quote. I love it w- could you please repeat it <laughs> <laughs> you know what I've been going through it 10 right that was yeah, kind of a mean it? trick wasn't it you know it kind of mm-hmm. was so here was comes kinda, the message. Uh-huh. Or oh, that was a mean trick yeah. <laughs> they're on my side <laughs> and then it said, way to go <laughs> That's yeah. how it works. <laughs> well, I, um, I have been watching very carefully the students that have been doing Science Live, the, the ones locally here that I have access to, to see if some of these things are sticking in their minds and they're picking up the vocabulary and they're figuring out how mm-hmm. to put it together. And I'm very pleased to report that it's working. It is. And I'm not quite sure how, but it's working. Mm-hmm. And so that's why next school year, we're gonna be able to offer science credit for students that do science life, uh-huh. And I, I think that's neat. Um, I have uh, given a few lectures over the years at schools and other places where they invited me to come and, and talk. And um, I went to a high school years and years and years ago where they asked me to come and tell about my meanderings in technology. So I went there and I just told him what it was and, and came home. Well, about 20 years later, I met the chairman of a very big, powerful, technical corporation. Mm-hmm. And he says, I just want to shake your hand. <laughs> and he said, do you remember when you gave that talk at that high school? And, and I could remember it, he said, I was there. And that was the day I decided to become an engineer. And I thought, awesome. (laughs) Now, if that can hold true, then during these science lives, some of you are going to decide to become technical inventioners, engineers. Mm -hmm. But everyone that lives in this modern digital world will benefit from having some of these technology ideas under your belt and you should know binary you should understand what it is you you don't need to memorize that one 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 is 15 and eight ones is 255 and that 16 ones is 64000 you don't have to remember all of that but you should be able to count in binary 0 1 10 11 100 101 110 111 1000 You should be able to count binary because it's real simple. You just the next number you can go to only using ones and zeros. Is that so hard? Try it. One. Very good. (laughs) Good. Zero. (laughs) Okay. What's next after one? Comment. Comment. (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't like to be teased. I don't. Okay. Go ahead. They love your tricks, and they like the way you respond to me. <laughs> and it says it right here. <laughs> and they said, thank you for Science Life, because it's taught them a lot. Well, I am very grateful for this Mr. privilege. James. And you know, to be able to spend this time with you each week is a great honor and a thrill. And the fact that so many of you are joining together, I think, creates a a feeling of energy and excitement that can make the world a better place. If there's anything that I could radiate, even more than your understanding of science, it would be helping you realize the importance of the things you're learning. Learning is hard work, but it's worth it. And I have a new quote that I was hoping you were going to say, but you didn't. But here's my new quote, you know, study as though your life depends on it. Because it does. The rest of your life is going to depend on what you learn. And you'll be amazed time and time and time again where something that you've learned in your studies becomes useful to help you do things. And be fun to have some of you think about that. Think about sometime in your life when something you learned was useful. And if you can think of something, I wouldn't mind you sending it to me in the messages. That'd be kind of fun, isn't it? Besides, it's helped me know there's really someone out there. There is. These are live comments coming in. Oh, Oh, I thought you just made those up. (laughs) All right, we'll see you next time. (laughs) Study hard.